It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today we welcome back Chad Dotson. We're going to get you all excited about the 2020 Cincinnati Reds here today on the Locked On Reds podcast. going on Reds fans welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast I'll be straight honest I had planned to just go straight into my conversation with Chad Dotson from the get-go but I had to throw this in there because literally minutes after Chad and I got done talking there were confirmed cases of coronavirus in the NBA and the NBA announced that they would suspend the rest of their regular season the Finley Market opening day parade was then canceled there's so much that is happening with all of this. I am pretty certain that those of us who have tickets probably will not be allowed to attend the opening day game at Great American Ballpark. We may even see the beginning of the season pushed back. I, I am. There's not really too many reports of that happening right now, but as much as everything has progressed in the last day, I would be completely not surprised at all if that happens. But I'm going to tell you what, this conversation that Chad and I have, and boy, it's going to get you pumped. We're going to be excited. Look, let, let's look past all of this. Let's imagine that we're past all of it and baseball season is starting. You're excited for the Cincinnati Reds in 2020. And if you're not, I'm going to tell you what you're going to be after this conversation. Let's jump right in. Alrighty, for today's Locked On Reds, I have with me my friend and yours. It's been a few months since he's been on here, but he is the man in charge of the Red Leg Nation radio podcast. You know him as Chad Dotson. How you doing today, Chad? Doing really well, Jeff. Glad to be back. It has been a little while. I've missed you. I've missed you too. I, I, I haven't had any awesome... Virginia takes or Georgetown <laughs> takes, which they don't they don't offend me because I I am not uh, like uh, Mister Senior Bill Lack. I am not a Xavier fan by any stretch. So uh, you know that uh, that's okay with me if Georgetown somehow <laughs> <laughs> pulls it yeah, out. Well, but... n- not gonna happen. So yeah, um, was... so let's talk about baseball, a team that actually has a chance to win. <laughs> yes, yes, it's been a very fun offseason ever since we last talked. I think we last talked, I think it was like November, I was looking on Skype. So uh, they've been busy since then, signed everyone. And uh, really, let, let's just dive right in. Which, which, I said like three different words there. <laughs> which move was your favorite? 
you know, my favorite, and they have had a great offseason, um, much uh, different than the offseason I expected in just about every way. But I think probably my favorite uh, transaction was when they signed uh, Mike Moustakas. Because that nice. kind of, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a deal for a guy that, uh, not necessarily, you know, an elite player, but a guy that really upgraded a position for the Reds. And it kind of signaled to the fans that, hey, wait a minute, this offseason is going to be a little bit different. Cause that's, that's the moment where, me personally, I know a lot of fans as well, just kind of got the feeling like, all right, hey, something may actually be happening here. So in retrospect, looking back, uh, you know, I don't think Mr. Dawkins is going to be the best player on the team or anything. I do expect him to be a, uh, a good player. I'm, I'm really happy that he's a Red, but I think that's the moment when they made that move that all of a sudden I started thinking, all right, maybe maybe we've got something here. So I, I guess that's probably my favorite move they've made, even though it's sort of a non-baseball reason that that's my favorite. It's been such a great offseason in that there's been so many moves to look at and be excited about. And that's been my favorite question to ask everyone who comes on the podcast is what's your favorite move? Because everyone has a different answer. And to be honest with you, Moose was kind of my favorite as well, just just because they're kind of going outside the box with it. And I know that there have been some who have poo-pooed the idea of him being the second baseman simply because he's really more of a third baseman. But you know what? If the goal is to improve the hitting and you found a way to do that, you might as well do that. And I think with the shift and all that different stuff, I don't think it's going to be the defensive liability that everyone makes it out to be. Yeah, I think that uh, with, with Moustakas, I think the the upgrade over who would have been uh, Manning second base if they hadn't signed him, on, in terms of the players that were currently on the roster, there's such a gap there that, yeah, you're improving your lineup, and it's not the place we all really necessarily expected it to happen, but I, I'm good with it. But I liked about what you just said was that, and, and you're right, I've had the same conversations, people have you know different ideas of what their favorite move might be. And, and what's great about that to me is that in years past, you're deciding which of the two uh, relief pitchers that they signed or what's your favorite, yeah. you know. <laughs> this year, they actually, and last year as well, some different kinds of moves. But I just, uh, the fact that we actually had a, an active offseason and it's caused uh, the whole fan base largely to have some real optimism for the first time in a while, that's pretty, that's pretty fun to me. Right. And then that's where it comes from. It's like, you know, normally a good off season as a Reds fan is, well, they signed one really okay guy and a bunch of non-roster invitees. Let's talk about our favorite non-roster invitee. We don't have to do that this year. I, I love that. And with that being said, the way that they've kind of set up this roster and all, let's, let's also take a look at, you know, I, I think that, there's something to be said about this because we're both pretty happy, obviously, overall, with the way that the offseason went. But was there a miss? Was there a swing and a miss? Maybe they didn't even swing. Maybe it was something that whenever you looked at the offseason, you're like, boy, I hope this happens, and then it doesn't happen. Was there anything that stuck out to you like that? Sure, sure. Uh, I, I really want to say uh, when they – failed to sign Anthony Rendon, but I'm not, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with a free agent that they did target and were unable to get. And uh, that's D.D. Gregorius. You know, shortstop was a, a place that most of us who followed this team had identified as a position that they really needed to upgrade this offseason because I really didn't like the idea of going into spring training with Freddie Galvis or worse as your starting shortstop. So they did uh, go after D.D. Gregorius. Gregorius ended up signing the one-year deal with Philadelphia, and he kind of wanted to be back with Joe Girardi, were the reports. And so there were some maybe uh, non-baseball reasons that uh, they couldn't land D.D. Gregorius. But Gregorius, even on a one-year deal, 
I think really would have helped this team. I, I'm, I'm, a lot of people are down on Gregorius after he had a, an injury plagued uh, and not a great season uh, last year, but I think that he would have been a substantial upgrade again over the next best shortstop. Who's Freddie Gallus? Who's, you know, if he's healthy, maybe we'll talk about that, but he's, you know, okay. You can kind of squint your eyes and see a player that can help the team. He's got some power and his gloves. Okay. But Gregorius, I thought would have really raised the needle on the, uh, on the offense substantially. And even if it were one year deal, like he ultimately signed with Philadelphia, I think that's fine. Cause now we're all seeing you know, maybe Jose Garcia is closer than, than we think. And, at least it would have been a kind of a stopgap. Some of the moves they made last, not this past offseason, but the year before, were you know these guys that had one-year deals and kind of a stopgap uh, to the next year. And you can you can do some of those deals. They can't do them all like that. But so that's the one. That's the missed opportunity. I wish they'd have been able to get Gregorius or another shortstop. But Gregorius is the one that I think they really had an actual chance. I'm with you. I think people were kind of downplaying his talent. And I think one of the reasons why I I got this conspiracy and there's no way that I could possibly prove it, but I have this conspiracy that when a player either spurns the attempts to sign him by a bigger team like the Yankees, or he leaves the Yankees and goes to a team that's not quite as big as they are, then there's like all these pundits out there that just have these pre-written articles like, well, he's not as good as he used to be because now, you know, or he's not as good as everyone thought he was because he doesn't want to be a Yankee. He wants to go somewhere else. All right. I think he still had the talent there, and I'm with you. He definitely would have been a market improvement over Freddie Gatwiss. But there's something about. Freddie Gallus. And I know that we know who he is for like the last five years. He's played pretty much the entire season. I think last year was uh, the least amount of games he's played in the last five years and it was 147. So that's really durable. But that being said, we have a plenty enough sample size to know that his batting average and his on-base percentage are pretty much where he's going to be unless something drastic happens. And by something drastic, we're talking about, of course, hoping that something drastic happens. <laughs> I just think that maybe I'm I'm a homer, obviously. But I really want to root for him. He has never played. If if you look up his postseason statistics, he has none. Because he's yeah. never played in a playoff game. And I know that there's a plenty enough narrative there that it's like, well, he's he's never been on good teams because they don't think that he's good enough to be on a good team. But let's talk about this for a minute. If he's the opening day shortstop, is he the starting shortstop on the eventual playoff-bound Cincinnati Reds? Uh, I think there's a, it, it, again, assuming health, and with him mostly, he's been healthy uh, for his career, then yeah, probably. I think we go that way. And and I don't want to act like I, I hate Freddie Galvez because I don't. I mean, he's fine. You know, it, I think, I think there's, a, there's a very good chance that the Reds upgraded around the diamond in other positions enough to kind of cover him being uh, the weak spot in the offense. But he's got a good glove. He has fantastic hair, so I love that. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that uh, I think the you know there's still a chance the Reds will make some kind of a move at the trade deadline for a shortstop. Mm-hmm. I just you don't know who's going to be available. You know, we we keep dreaming about Francisco Lindor. I just I think Freddie Galvis is probably your shortstop if he's healthy. I just worry about him being healthy because he's not been this spring, even though, you know, uh, he has a history, a track record of being um, healthy. But uh, I think so. And and I think that that could be a really bad thing. But also, I think the Reds offense could be good enough uh, around him 
that uh, he's he's not going to hurt the team. As a matter of fact, he may help the team a little bit with the, the occasional home run that they didn't get last year and uh, and continuing good defense. So I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of of two minds about Freddie Galvis, but that glorious uh, head of hair kind of tips me in his, his favor. And I will say it's a good thing that a kind of following along the theme of this season just being different from the last, you know, lots of seasons is that we are talking mostly about a guy who's going to hit somewhere between like seventh and ninth, depending on how they, they fill it out. And, and that is an awesome thing that we are most worried about him. We're going to jump into some lineup things, best case and worst case scenario, and some things that we're excited about for the Reds future here in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to take a look at this. Let's look at the top of the lineup because David Bell has come out and said that when both players are in the lineup, the leadoff hitter will be Shogo and the first hitter, or he's a first hitter, and the second hitter will be Joey Votto. I like it. I like that he's come out and said that. What's your take on that? And just from your perspective, how have you viewed what Shogo has done in spring training? Well, it's hard to tell with anyone because I discount every spring train stat. But, you know, the eye test with Shogo is that he's looked more comfortable early in his American career than I expected. You know, he's come over and he's a different type of hitter and he does his thing and he does it well. I love his uh, the quotes we've seen from him about uh, how he values getting on base. And and I just the idea of Akiyama, I'm happy with him as, as the leadoff hitter as much as he, you know when he's in the lineup. And I love the idea of, and I tell you who else should love the idea of Akiyama and Vado hitting one two, and that's Nick Castellanos and Eugenio Suarez and Mike Mustakas and you know Nixon Zell if he's in the lineup because uh, there's gonna be a lot of RBI opportunities and uh, I don't know and and I think the Reds will score a lot of runs if they've got those guys at the top because they're gonna get on base and so I'm I'm all in on Akiyama. I still think, wonder when the regular season starts if he's gonna have a little bit of a kind of delayed start because it's all new to him. I mean the, he doesn't know the pitchers and. Of course, maybe the flip side is they don't know him either. So, I don't know. Uh, if he struggles early, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think we're all going to be very, very happy with Shogo Akiyama by the end of the year. I, I did some, you know, because it was the other day during his spring training game, and I just had lots of time to think because that's what spring training games afford you to do. And I did, uh, like, some crunching and numbers and different things like that, and I determined that based on how the performance of last year's one and two hitters went – if this year's one and two hitters just get on base 80 more times, then they will combine for an on-base percentage of 400. And I think if, if you're Gino, if you're Castellanos, like you said, Moustakis, all those guys, there's going to be a lot more runs than scored that were last season. I just firmly believe that. Which leads me in to what I want to get to here, the, our main, the meat of the interview, and that is – what is the best case scenario? Best case scenario for the Reds. Uh, you know, I think uh, if we're being, I mean, we could obviously say 110 wins and sweep every postseason series, but if we're trying to be realistic, I think that a realistic best case scenario for the Reds would be, uh, I was going to say 93, but I'm going to go to 95 wins. Okay. I think that, I think that that's, you know, I don't think that's pie in the sky. I think that they, that's, it's achievable. Sure. A lot of things have to go right for that to happen. But I, but I think that it's within sort of the margin of error. You know, if this pitching staff stays healthy, it's going to be uh, unbelievable. The the off and, and, and there's some depth in the pitching staff for the first time in a while. 
when you talk about the offense. Um, not as much depth as I would like. And there's still a couple of places where, you know, uh, shortstop and catcher where I'm like, oh, not great, but man, there's so many other bats uh, around the, around the field that they, like you just said, they're going to score more runs. I don't see how they can avoid scoring more runs this year. Uh, it's, a, it's a substantial number of more runs. So I think if people stay healthy, if Votto returns to being the, uh, something close to the Joey Votto, um, I think we're probably more likely to get the Joey Votto of two years ago where he led the league in on base, but you know, his power was kind of gone. I think that may be Joey Votto now. But if he returns to that, uh, Akiyama doesn't struggle much early. Um, everybody's healthy. You know, this team, this team really, 95 wins may be even conservative if all that goes right. I think they've got some real talent in place for the first time in a while. And uh, I'm just hoping that we don't get another bad start um, to dampen the enthusiasm and really see what this team can do when they're, when they're really rolling and healthy. I really feel like this season is going to get started off far different from the last two in that they will come out of the gate hot and they'll be able to kind of ride that into the all-star break. And then whenever the all-star break comes around, they're going to take a good look around the league. They're going to take a good look around the central first off. And they're going to say, you know what? We're feeling pretty good about this. And then they turn their, their gaze away from the Cardinals and the Cubs and the Brewers. And they start looking at Los Angeles. And when they do that, and, and you know, this is also going to keep my fingers crossed on this part, but maybe Cleveland isn't in it. And they're able to flip a couple of guys. Now, it's going to take some guys, but they're going to flip a couple of guys and get that Francisco Lindor trade done. And then, boy, it's all you know, gloves are off. We're going NL Championship Series, Reds and Dodgers. And I don't know who wins that in this hypothetical scenario, but I'll just be happy to be in it. Absolutely. And, and that is definitely best case. Uh, but I think something we need to say is this. Best case scenario legitimately could include this team, the 2020 Reds, winning the World Series. I mean, there, there's there's every reason to believe they're in the, in the mix for the playoffs. And really what we've seen every year, including last year with the uh, with the Nationals, if you can just get into the playoffs somehow, it, it's often not the best team that wins, it's the team that gets hot at the right time. And there's no reason that couldn't be the Reds. So you just got to get to the playoffs. And I think that chances are, you know, better than even that this team is going to uh, be in the playoffs. It may just be the wild card game. But uh, fingers crossed. I think best case scenario would could actually include a uh, a World Series, which I can't believe we're even saying those words. It's crazy. <laughs> no, I, I I absolutely agree with you, and I think the the really cool thing, it's something you can always gauge just by the way that players and coaches and front office officials are you know what they're saying in their interviews and what they're saying in their interviews in spring training is World Series or bust. We're going for the World Series. I haven't heard that kind of talk in a long time. It's fun. It's it's amazing. It's yeah. really a different vibe, and you got to give all credit to the current uh, front office group. Uh, you know, the, at the top there, Dick Williams and Nick Crawl, because they have really, really changed the narrative around this team in a very intentional way, and um, a, a very kind of uh, they they kind of did a, a hopper drop when the the rebuild really failed. Walt Jockley's rebuild mostly failed, and yes. in a couple of seasons. They've been able to turn that completely around. Now, are we the best team in the league? No. I mean, you know, but are we a team that's in the mix and going to be competitive and probably going to be playing games in September that actually mean something? Yeah, I think so. And to have, to come from where they were two years ago to there today, I'm telling you, it's it's an amazing thing to have watched given all the, the horrible mismanagement of this franchise for most of uh, you know our lifetimes. 
Absolutely. And I think that they've got some dudes in place that hopefully we will avoid any more uh, failed, at least player development tactics and things like that. I like the guys that they've brought in there. Let's talk you, about you know, Let me just before you go off that. I think you're right. I think well, there are going to be some downtimes. It's going to be an up and down a little bit. But I can't see with the current, uh, you know, organization as it is. I can't see any like real dips. You know, these 95, 97 lost seasons like we've seen. There may be some seasons where they dip back down. Uh, they're not going to be competitive every year. No team is. But I, I think the bottom is a lot. Uh, is the floor is a lot higher now because they've got the, all the things they're doing with the uh, player development and and the draft. So. I'm, I'm I'm more optimistic now than I've been about the Reds in a long, long time. There's very few things that a guy like a pitching coordinator like Kyle Bodie can do in his very first year to make you feel like he was a great hire. Oh, yeah. But something that he already has done that has intrigued me is that there was an article in the Enquirer about – Nick Lodolo and how he has impressed during his bullpens and his live batting practice sessions and things like that in spring training. And the guy who was doing most of those quotes was not David Bell. It was not uh, Dick Williams. It wasn't Nick Crawl. It wasn't even Derek Johnson. It was Kyle Bodie was talking about Nick Lodolo, talking about how they're going to attack his development this season. And that just that, it, it kind of, you know, almost like a first impression sort of really impressed me. Yeah, and this is a guy, Kyle Bodie, that a lot of other major league teams wanted. They've been trying to hire him for years. Mm-hmm. And he came here because, I mean, I don't know all of his reasons he came here, but he, but he came here and it's it's further evidence of this kind of new regime and new way of thinking. And the Reds are now kind of cutting edge when it comes to developing players. And they do have to be able to develop players. And they've not developed, especially pitchers, over the last 10, 15 years very well. So. Yeah, that's extremely exciting, uh, and and you know we're all excited here now. And you're going to go start talking about worst case scenarios, and it's going to get me upset again. But go ahead. <laughs> well, and, and I know that both you and I are very optimistic people whenever it comes to the Reds. So I just for a second, we don't have to talk too long about this because <laughs> I just want everyone to know, at least especially the way that I'm feeling. There was some I was uh, it was it was a point that was brought up on the radio whenever I was uh, on there. Uh, yesterday was well you know if it comes trade deadline and they're completely out of it and they start you know trading off pieces and stuff and in the back of my mind my thought was and I didn't have enough time to get it out but my thought was they're they're not going to be there this year like look I, I think a worst case scenario for this team and tell me if I'm wrong is they are like still an 80 something win team maybe 80 81 wins but I don't think they get worse than that I don't know. I think probably 77. They could go as low as 77 uh, wins or so. Uh, again, worst case. if And really, that's injuries and Votto not being Votto ever again. Right. Um, I could see that happening. You know, the worst case scenario is they start out slowly, like they have the last two seasons. And that's worst case, not just because it puts them behind the eight ball a little bit going into the season, but also because the fans uh, are going to be like, oh, great. You know, we, we believe in this team, and here we are. They're one and eight to start the season. So um, I think that if something like that, a slow start happens, uh, yeah, I could see it dipping as low as uh, 77 wins. But I'll say this. I don't think there's any scenario where they really like look to trade a ton of pieces at the trade deadline anyway. I, I just I don't you know, I don't I don't know that they're at that point where they need to just fire sell everybody and, and see what they can get. So, uh, you know, they're not looking for prospects they're looking for major league guys. And so I don't I don't see that happening anyway. But I, I do think that this team is the depth is not quite enough to make me comfortable saying that 
they're definitely going to be, you know, an 80 win team. I think they, I think they could go lower than that. Do I think they will? No, I don't, I don't think, I think the chances are they're at least a 500 team. Um, but yeah, I could see it happening, even though I don't want to see it happen. <laughs> so we've talked about the tippy top. We've talked about the b- bottom, the bottom, I bitty bottom. That, that sounds weird. <laughs> sure. Why not? I might cut that. Anyway, uh, we've talked, <laughs> we talked about both of those. Um, what will be the headline at the end of 2020? When we look back on this season, what is the headline for this Cincinnati Reds team? Reds clinch World Series parade scheduled for Tuesday afternoon. That's it. That's all we need on that bombshell. We're going to, but yeah, no, man, I just, I, I cannot wait so much. And, and, and if only just for a second, um, maybe talk about the uncertainty surrounding opening day. I know that we've got uh, lots going on, and it seems like almost an hourly process with all of these updates surrounding the coronavirus and COVID-19 and things like that. And, and there, are, there are fans who are livid, and they're, they're mad that they're not going to get to opening day. And I understand that because I've got some pretty decent seats as well when it comes to opening day. But I think once we're past all of that, we are going to see this team that is just absolutely set up so well. And after a year under his belt, David Bell, I think, is going to be a much more competent. I'm not saying that he was incompetent, but, you know, he, he understands his downfalls from last year. And he's going to improve on that. I, I think this is going to be a great, great year. Yeah, I think a more likely headline is, you know, Reds losing – the division series or losing the national championship series, but uh, fans are charged up for uh, 2021, you know, and, and b- bigger and better things. You know, I, I think there's a real reason to believe this team is, is going to be in the playoffs. And again, I just can't believe I'm saying that. So it's going to be fun. I can't wait. And I, I hope we get to talk about it uh, more over the season. Absolutely. The window is opening people it's not as if it's going to open and close in one year it's opening for a multi-year run of relevancy get ready that's what we're hoping for right (laughs) absolutely chad i always appreciate having you on thank you so much and we'll do it again here soon yeah always fun and uh, keep up the great work love the podcast hey i appreciate it Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.